In this episode, I review a past section hike on the Appalachian Trail, starting at Daleville, Virginia, and headed north. With 550 miles of trail, nearly one-fourth of the Appalachian Trail is in Virginia. So if you're a hiker, there's a high probability that you've hiked the AT in Virginia. I assume that pretty much everyone listening to this episode knows all about the Appalachian Trail, so I won't spend a lot of time on background in this episode. But if you don't know a lot about the trail, please go back and listen to Season 1, Episode 11. In that episode, I provide an introduction to the AT. Our intention on this hike was to hike from the Daleville Trailhead to Black Horse Gap, which would be about 16.3 miles long. This is considered two sections by the Roanoke Appalachian Trail Club. The first section is considered strenuous, while the second section is considered moderate. Having hiked most of these sections, I agree with those ratings. We started our hike where we ended our previous AT section hike, Catawba to Daleville, which is reviewed in Season 1, Episode 11. Badger was my hiking companion on this hike, which took place in very comfortable weather in early September. The trailhead is off of Highway 220, near where it intersects with Interstate 81. 220 is a very busy highway. There's a commuter parking area about a quarter of a mile or so from the trailhead. I assume it's okay to park there, but I'm not sure, so you might want to research that prior to parking there. It would be a rude awakening to find your car been towed after a hike. We started out early in the day. It was pretty cool, but the forecast called for it to warm up throughout the day. The initial part of the hike, near farms and roads, was generally in tall grass. This part of the trail didn't seem as heavily traveled as it was sometimes difficult to see the trail in the tall grass. The grass was dew-covered, so by the time we made it to the wooded areas, my feet and bottom part of my pants were soaking wet. We heard the constant roar of Interstate 81 for the first 45 minutes or so of our hike, as the trail is very close to the interstate. After crossing Highway 11, the trail transitioned into a wooded area and started to gain an elevation. We then walked through a large grassy field where we started to get fantastic long-distance mountain views. Shortly after the field, we crossed State Road 652. For the rest of the day, we were in heavily wooded areas and the trail continued to gain in elevation a lot. So I can see why they rate this section as strenuous. After a few hours of steady uphill hiking, we came through an opening between two small mountains. I immediately spotted a bear very close to the trail, and I indicated that to Badger. Badger replied, actually there are two bears, pointing up at a cub in a tree near the other bear. It was at that point that I, I did actually feel a pang of fear, as I realized that we had stumbled upon 
a mama bear and her cub. This was really not cool. Mama bears have been known to get aggressive if they think you're a danger to their cubs. The mama bear was visibly agitated, rocking back and forth, trying to decide if we were a threat. We decided that the best course of action was to continue walking on the trail at the same pace that we had been walking so as to hopefully signal to the mama bear that we were no threat to her cub. Also, the trail, while close to the bears now, would start to take us away from the bears in short order. We didn't talk, we just walked, trying to appear unconcerned about the bears. But it was difficult, and we kept our eyes on the mama bear at all times. Eventually, when we had gotten far enough away for the mama bear's comfort, we saw the cub rapidly climb down the tree, and when he hit the ground, the two of them took off running at an incredible pace in the opposite direction until they were out of sight. I've repeatedly heard that a human can't outrun a bear. After seeing this display of speed, I'm now fully convinced of that fact. After the bear encounter, my adrenaline was pumping at full output for quite a while. I was hyper-vigilant for the next hour or so, with the sound of every squirrel, lizard, or bird putting me on edge. Eventually, I calmed down. The trail continued uphill for most of the rest of the day. It did get extremely narrow with large drops along one side in many places throughout the day. This section of the AT was not heavily traveled at all, and we only saw a couple of southbound hikers throughout the entire day. We crossed streams several times, so water was abundant during this hike. We eventually made it to the Wilson Creek Shelter and decided to end our day one hike there. There were no other hikers here, and we saw no one else during the evening. We did see several deer very close to the shelter, while they kept a respectable distance from us, they didn't seem to have a lot of fear of us. This shelter and campsite is very much like the others that I've encountered on the AT. The shelter was empty, but we decided to sleep in our tents as we had new gear we wanted to break in. The nearest water to the shelter is a little further away than I would have liked, as down a very steep hill with many switchbacks on the side trail from the shelter to the stream. We were out of water, so I volunteered to make the trip to fill our water bottles using my hand pump MSR water filter. If I had known about the steepness of the side trail, I would have filled our bottles at Wilson Creek, which we had crossed about a half a mile from the shelter on the trail. We had rock hopped across Wilson Creek on the AT so it is very accessible. After I got the water and we set up camp, Badger decided it was time for a cat nap before dinner. While Badger slept, I set up my jet boil and other gear for dinner and planned where I would hang my bear bag after dinner. Later, we dined on Mountain House meals and dehydrated astronaut ice cream sandwiches for dessert. We scrounged for firewood, but the campsite had been picked clean of deadfall during the summer, so we gave up on that idea. The temperature was quite comfortable, and we really didn't need a fire anyway. 
It was a cool night and I slept great that evening. I woke up at dawn on day two, about a half an hour before sunrise as I usually do. I found that even if I wanted to sleep in, the birds start to get noisy at dawn in the woods. I guess they want to make sure that I'm up. How considerate of them. As usual, I started with a cup of instant Starbucks coffee. After another cup of Starbucks in the woods, I had a Mountain House egg meal. Then I returned to the water source to refill the water bottles again, as we had consumed most of the water during the evening for cooking and drinking. We then broke camp and continued on our hike. On day two, we continued to see more elevation gain, more narrow sections of trail, and more steep drop-offs. After a few miles, and as we approached the Blue Ridge Parkway, I developed severe knee pain after an awkward step on a rock. I decided to persevere as on past hikes, any discomfort that I felt would eventually go away as I continued hiking. The trail gets much easier at this point with the steady ups and downs, but no major elevation gains. It also provides periodic stunning views as the trail basically parallels the parkway for several miles. I thought the rest of our hike would be a breeze. However, my knee pain got worse and worse as we continued to hike. We took a couple of breaks to see if the pain would subside, but each time when we continued on with the hike after the breaks, the pain continued and I realized it wasn't going to go away. So for the first time ever, I had to throw in the towel and cut short my hike. I called for our ride to pick me up. Fortunately, we were at a point where the trail crossed the Blue Ridge Parkway at an overlook, so it was the perfect place to get picked up. We were only about one mile short of our goal, but I didn't want to damage my knee. It could have been much worse for me if we had been deep in the woods when this happened. When I got to the hotel that evening, I iced down my knee and it healed within a few days with no long-term ill effects, fortunately. The total distance we hiked over the two-day period was 15.1 miles, which was about 1.2 miles short of our goal. This has been the only time I have ever abandoned the hike, but I'm glad I did as I may have damaged my knee severely if I had kept hiking. I always enjoy section hiking and sometimes day hiking on the Appalachian Trail. It's an incredible resource that hikers should experience. I've received inquiries from listeners as well as Instagram and Twitter followers as to whether or not I've ever through-hiked the AT. I have not, and unless my personal and work situation changes a lot, I can't foresee taking off months at a time to accomplish this feat. For those of you that have accomplished it, my hat's off to you. Even with my setback on day two, and even with the bear encounter, I really enjoyed this hike. I saw some great scenery and had a unique opportunity to get up close and personal with bears. Up until this hike, I had never considered taking bear spray with me on hikes in the eastern U.S. 
as I had always heard that black bears were nowhere near the threat that grizzlies are in the western U.S. That may be true, but after this encounter, I think there is a possibility that a mama black bear may attack if she perceives that you are a threat to her cubs. So I now take bear spray with me on hikes in areas where black bears are known to exist in the east. Interestingly enough, when doing research on the topic for another hike, I discovered that the black bear populations tend to be more dense in eastern swamp areas than they are in the Appalachian Mountains. But they are common in both areas, so you should plan accordingly. As a side note, and not related to hiking, if you've never spent time driving on the Blue Ridge Parkway, I would highly recommend that you do so. Drivers on the parkway can experience a steady stream of awesome views from the comfort of their car. The parkway is a U.S. national park and runs throughout the mountains of North Carolina and Virginia. If you do decide to experience the parkway, be aware that some sections at higher elevations are periodically closed in the winter due to snow and ice. Shortly after this episode is published, I will post a few photos of my hike on my Instagram account. My Instagram name is Goosehiking. That's G-O-O-S-E-A-H-I-K-I-N. This hike is very convenient to Interstate 81, the Blue Ridge Parkway, and Roanoke, Virginia, which means that it's very accessible for many people in mid-Atlantic and southern states. If you're able to do so, I recommend spending some time on the AT. A final thought. Enjoying the great outdoors is exciting and fun, but don't engage in strenuous physical activities that are beyond your capabilities or your physical condition. Make sure you know what wildlife you may encounter on your journey so you can be prepared. Also make sure that you carry an emergency medical kit, water, and a map, and always stay on the trail. Thank you.